You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For, for, all, things, for, for all things KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City on this Wednesday. I am your host, Kayla Canaram. Joining me is my co-host, Cody Tapp and Nick Schwartz. By the way, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. We are gearing up for Sunday, the AFC Championship game. Guys, we have an update on Mahomes' ankle. What percent of Mahomes' normal self do you think the Chiefs will get on Sunday? Um... Okay, so like 90% of normal Mahomes, but with 40% of the mobility, 50% of the mobility, am I allowed to say that? I think he'll be less <laughs> mobile, but he'll still be unstoppable for the most part. I mean, I just, I still, like, I know that the ankle, they're saying it's a high ankle sprain. We know that now all we're working is vaguity. We know last night he was spotted at a gym working out with a blurry photo with his guy with ankle weights on, right? So we know that he's doing stuff. We know that Andy has continuously pretty much said he's going to play. He was on the Tom Brady podcast with Jim Gray, and he got asked about it again. And he's like, what are you going to do to make sure he'll be okay? And he's like, I'll ask the offensive line to do that. Like, he makes it pretty clear. He never once says, what if Mahomes doesn't play? He consistently makes it sound like he's going to. So I think you're going to get a 90 95% Mahomes to the point that I'm not going to let that be the excuse for why they lose. Like, he's hurt. He's limited. Sometimes you have to win games, even if you're not 100%. That applies for every player across the board, even if it's quarterback. I think that's a little optimistic. And I... I, That's a Kayla answer, Cody. That is a Kayla answer. And you're not Kayla. (laughs) I can be optimistic, though. Come on, let me be. That's where I'm thinking. But don't you think that saying 80% would be optimistic? 95% feels, like, unrealistic. Like, you saw how that looked in real time. And yes, it can always look worse in real time than it is in actuality. But even watching him the rest of the game, even when he was being effective, when he threw the jump pass touchdown to MVS in the back of the end zone, but he gets knocked down. And he basically had to be carried off the field. And I think adrenaline can carry you through those games the same way it can carry you through large portions of the game versus Cincinnati. Like he's going to come out of that tunnel and hear that, stadium erupt and even for early portions of that game i i don't think we're going to notice a tangible effect that that ankle injury has on his game but as the game wears on he maybe gets hit a few times and he's been running on that thing for two hours three hours it's tough for me to imagine a 95 percent mahomes now maybe 80 percent still good enough to win but if we're just trying to answer this question of what you know how close to 100 percent is he going to be I mean, that's a high ankle sprain, man. Those things can put guys out for weeks. Those are not quick recovery type injuries. And I don't have any concerns about him being able to play, but I don't feel like I'm being a pessimist by saying 80%, am I? 75, 80%? No, I don't think it's crazy. I think a lot a lot of it is, Nick, is that I... The other part of it is I don't think you're going to notice it as much because they'll protect it a little bit and... He, Their offense is more equipped to handle a pocket Patrick Mahomes than ever before. He doesn't have to do all that. 
They have a million weapons to throw it to. In the second half of that game, when he's playing on that ankle, right, and he's effective, he's like 12 of 17 for 120 yards and a touchdown, no picks. They go on scoring drives. That's because he only suffered a single quarterback hit in the entire second half. I think they have guys that can protect it a little bit. The only times I think that you'll like actively notice it is when is what we saw in the first half of that last one, which is um, there was like a seven yards. Like that's a first down. If Mahomes can run, that's a first down and he just runs and he gets it. And instead he had to throw it. So it could still cause some problems, but I don't think that you're going to see it all the time. I just think that there's a good chance. Like I know this, this sounds like one of those things that people just say, but I honestly believe he's like a medical marvel. Like, I think he heals faster than me. He heals faster than you. He heals faster than most professional athletes. He's going to have a team of people helping him heal faster before we get to Sunday. That one day might end up making a good difference for him. The Saturday game instead of the Sunday, too. Well, and when Nick said most guys, I don't think Mahomes is most guys. As we've seen time after time after time, he is not human Yes, we saw him wobbling around on Saturday, but just the fact that he is such a competitor, I think that he's just going to be running on adrenaline. If he's in pain, I don't know that if it's, it's even going to show. Will he be 100%? Obviously not. But I feel very confident in him going out there and putting on a show on Sunday still, even it's being weird. down an ankle. It's weird because when you say he's not human, like my instinct is to say, well, come on, this is football. He's a quarterback. These guys get hit. They all get injured. Like every, every great quarterback has suffered some sort of season-ending injury. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers. The list is extensive, and it includes everyone, ever. And Mahomes hasn't had that yet, even though there, were, there have been a couple scares along the way, right? There have been a couple times... I mean, go back to the Broncos game where his kneecap is on the side of his leg and you say, okay, well, might be out for a while. Would he come back three weeks later? <laughs> yep. He had, a, he had an ankle sprain, which Andy Reid said yesterday, back in 2019, first week of the season. He said he had an ankle sprain. That was worse than this one. And he came out the, the next week against the Raiders and threw for four touchdowns. So even though you say he's not human and I'm kind of like, well, come on. He's he's he can bleed just like everyone else. There's part of me that says, okay, maybe there is something weird about him, and I don't know what it is. Like I, I don't know if it's just genetics, and he was blessed with mobility or flexibility. Yes. That guys don't have seriously. <laughs> that's what you think it is. Uh, that's what his trainer says it is. Look, I'm not going to say he he called him the most flexible person, the most flexible athlete he has ever worked with in his training career. Now, look, I don't know what. Is it what does that mean? The tops or whatever the hell that yeah, means. Does that mean like he can pull his his like foot behind his head? Is that does he do yoga? Proprioceptors are boundary set our tissue extensibility and activity affect joint mobility and stability in movement. He both trains for and has an exceptional ability to do so. Look, I know that people were joking when they said Brett Favre's ligament stretch further, but I do think that you can train to be better equipped for this, and for whatever reason. His just genetic ability slash desire to train his body to do that has given him this ability. Nick, you're right. There might still be some massive injury in Mahomes' career that gets him, but this isn't the one. That ankle injury, you're not even telling the whole story. So it's it was bad, and he said it was worse than the other one. Then he re-aggravated when it got stomped on in a game in week five, in which he still didn't leave the game and played week six. So it's like it never even stopped him from playing. 
like it's it's like I he's gonna play in this game. I think that that seems fairly obvious. Like at this point, we'd all be stunned, right? I keep wondering why that that line movement keeps going because like I I feel like Mahomes is playing. I'm with Cody. I'm giving it like a ninety percent, and I'm factoring in that adrenaline's gonna make up the ten percent. We saw a high ankle sprain in one of the Sunday games, and the guy got carted off the field. Mahomes goes back into the game and plays. Real quickly, the high ankle sprain, that's the same injury that Mac Jones died from. You remember on the field? Like, I think he might have died. <laughs> He's still no way. He could, got carried off. His arms are back like this. And you're like, oh, my God, did Mac Jones break every bone in his body? <laughs> no, it was a high ankle sprain. Mahomes just played the rest of the game like a normal person. Warrior. Oh, no, Warrior. No, no, no. Not like a normal person. Yeah, sorry. Someone even tweeted, is Hurt Mahomes still better than most regular QBs? And the answer is yes. Obviously. That's an easy one. Obviously. Well, follow up to that, you guys. What do you think the Bengals defense will do to try to exploit that ankle injury? Um, well, the early part is I think they'll blitz a lot. I think they're going to try to get some hits on that thing. Like, I know that sounds dirty, but the game's the game. And if I were them, I'd be trying to get some hits on the quarterback. Even if it costs us a little bit early, I'd be like, eh, find out how good that thing really feels. But most importantly, I think they'll dare him to run. I think that they will give him the pass, the, the running lanes that other teams avoid or try to avoid giving him because he's so damn dangerous on his legs and they won't care. They'll just give it up. They'll give him every opportunity to say, go for it. Run a couple more feet. See where that gets you. Those two things are the things that I think stand out the most. They'll back up. They'll only blitz four. They'll give him all the time in the pocket to work because they'll, they'll assume in the early going that if on those spots where he would normally run, he can't. They'll try to tempt him into it just to see where the leg is. Yeah, I think that's just it. I think that's why the blitz is important. Even if you don't get home or even if you give up a few plays in the passing game, that's a risk you have to take if you're the Bengals, knowing that he might be a hit or two away from either being out of the game or really impacting his ability to make plays downfield. But that's the big part, Cody, is get him out. Make him run. But I think the Chiefs, and Andy Reid talked about this on Monday when somebody asked him at his press conference, how do you game plan for all of the different things that the Bengals might try to do against you guys defensively, knowing that Mahomes is injured now? And he said, you can't chase like four or five different potential strategies. Like you have to go into the game plan saying like, this is how we hope to play. If it doesn't work out this way, then we'll adjust on the fly. But you can't go in with plan A, B, C, D, E. That's just impossible. It's unrealistic. Sure. I would imagine what plan A is going to be is get the ball out quickly. Like they are going to expect the Bengals because that's what the Jaguars did too. Once Mahomes came back into that game, the Jags were blitzing a ton and those were some of the bigger plays for the Chiefs passing game. But I'd imagine that's going to be the MO is we know that Mahomes is still Mahomes and he can do incredible things. But the reality is if he's less than 100% and he doesn't have that mobility, then we need to create a game plan that revolves around that fact which to me would be quick passing game, right? The underneath stuff that the Chiefs have been really good about, whether it's Jarek McKinnon, Travis Kelsey, Juju, Kadarius Toney, that is where I think the Chiefs kind of start their offensive strategy. And then if things happen to play out differently, you, you sort of adjust on the fly. If you got to make quick passes, it's nice to be the team in the NFL that's number one in yards after catch. I mean, like it, that helps. Like, if you got to go to the quick passing, like before, if you'd asked me last year, hey, can the Chiefs go four quarters of operating a quick passing game? I'd be like, that sounds like a bad idea, if we're being honest. Even someone ran the stats. 
The average time to throw, Mahomes dropped by three quarters of a second after the injury. The average time he ran went way down. The yardage ran way right. Obviously, he was limited by that, but they were still effective. They scored as many points in the second half as they did the first. It's the same thing, right? It's, I think that they're equipped better. I think that like the, the Bengals plan is a good one, Nick, but I'm not sure totally that it'll work because they can still, they can play a different way is, which is nice. Well, guys, we're going to move on. The Bengals are starting the trash talk early. We heard Burrowhead on Saturday. Do you think the Chiefs will participate in the trash talk this week? And yes, in case you missed it, Mike Hilton was recorded following their Bills win saying, we'll see y'all at Burrowhead. Oh, no, you didn't. Those are fighting words. And I hope this is being played in every Chiefs team meeting all week long. Fuel that fire. Oh, I guarantee it is. Look, I, I agree with the general sentiment that is the Bengals have beaten you three times. They're allowed to talk shit. They've been the Chiefs in Arrowhead once. And you think you can rename it? You have zero Super Bowl titles. Shut the fuck up. I'm dead serious. It's enough. That's enough talking. It doesn't, you can talk some trash, but we're done here. Like you don't get to just rename everything and start this whole thing. This team talks more trash than anyone. No, I don't think the Chiefs are going to join in the trash talk. I think the last last time they tried to get mixed up in a little bit, Justin Reed got a very firm talking to from Andy Reed. And I think that that probably shuts this down. Plus, I think the Chiefs want to be the quiet assassins. I think what's happened here, and the Bengals have earned a certain degree of right to talk trash. I'm not saying because they've beaten the Chiefs, because they've had their number, all those things. But when you get to the game, the Chiefs are looking forward to the most. The idea that if this game is over, the Chiefs, a team who trash talks so little, is going to bury them in it. Frank Clark on the field after is going to be incredible. Chris Jones after is going to be incredible. Patrick Mahomes is going to make some cryptic cryptic comment we know means something. It's going to be incredible. It's It might be the thing I want the Chiefs to win the game. Like, obviously, I want them to win the Super Bowl and get a title. But I want the win, and I want that immediate reaction of, we're going to say all these things to these players. Because I don't think we're going to get it during the week, unfortunately. Yeah, that's just it, because that's what they like to do. Specifically... Mahomes and Kelsey have been really great about this, about not engaging in it leading up to the game. It doesn't matter regular season, postseason. Whenever there's somebody on the other side who's talking smack, they'll always wait till after the game. And if they get asked about it at the press conference or on the field, yeah. they've got a, they've got an answer prepared. They're not they're not winging that. They're waiting for their moment, and that's sort of the beautiful thing. And that's why I think Chiefs fans are starting to get fed up with the Bengals. It's it's not because necessarily the Bengals aren't allowed to do that. It's because it's never been the way that the Chiefs have operated under Andy Reid. I don't know if the Bengals are any more smug or arrogant or cocky than any other team. It's just that they've been winning. They say it. They've been having unprecedented success against you, and they're yeah. doing things that your organization, at least in this current era of this organization, has never done. Like, Mahomes doesn't you know, take shots before games. I think some of it, Nick, might be that they haven't lost yet. And yeah. I know you're like, but they lost the Super Bowl. And you're like, not really. They've only had two years as the roster is currently constructed where like it was a healthy Burrow. It was Jamar Chase. It's everyone together. And they haven't really the same way Mahomes now talks like Mahomes talks introspectively about this. Now he'll say, no, nah, I probably would have appreciated that Super Bowl win and that MVP a lot differently now than I did then. Then I just thought that's what you do. That's what you do, right? You just go to every AFC title game. You just go to every Super Bowl. That's how Cincinnati's feeling right now. They're outwardly saying it, but that is how they're feeling. They're feeling like 
we can we just do this every year. We got Joe Burrow. We go to the we go to the AFC title game every year. I'm like the Chiefs have been there five years in a row, and even they don't talk about going to the AFC title game with that amount of confidence. And I think it's because they've suffered, unfortunately, a couple of AFC title game losses and a Super Bowl loss. So they know they know that feeling. And I think Cincinnati was just riding on free money last year, and they've won every game since Halloween this year. So they feel like they're an unstoppable juggernaut. Cody, you know I'm a big sample size guy, and so usually I use it to try and argue against you. I'm actually going to use it to help support <laughs> in this regard because you know every team uses different identity, and the Chiefs' identity is sort of just quiet, head na- head down, nose to the grindstone, go about your business, don't attract a lot of attention to yourself. The Bengals have taken the opposite approach, and Zach Taylor's yeah. chief amongst it. He was at the press conference after the game on Sunday talking about how he's, you know, sarcastically, I'm so sorry that our players keep ruining everyone's plans. I know that's just so tough for everybody who made travel plans. Like, he is sort of in on this yeah. identity. And if even if you don't like it, you have to give them it's work. It works for them. For whatever reason, this whole us against the world, everybody doubts us, nobody loves us, that has worked to their benefit. So I'm not really criticizing it. The problem is, like you said, Cody, they've only beaten the Chiefs once at Arrowhead, and they've only beaten the Chiefs three times. And I know it seems like a lot for Chiefs fans to lose to the same team three times in what is effectively a calendar year, but three games is such a small sample size. And I'm sorry, it is not reliable information on who the better team is. It's not, especially when you look at how those games have sort of panned out. Like all very close in two of them, the Chiefs blew double-digit leads, and all three of them, they blew leads in the second half. Three game sample size is not enough over a 12 month period, a 13 month period is not even close to enough to determine like, okay, this team is definitively better than the other team. And that's why I would be a little weary if I'm the Bengals just thinking that, nope, it's obvious we are the better team. Doesn't often work out like that because there are, I mean, Peyton Manning went three and two against Tom Brady in the playoffs, in the games that we always say matter the most. Nobody would ever confuse Peyton Manning for being a better postseason quarterback than Tom Brady or the Colts being a better postseason team than the Patriots because five games, three games, none of it matters. Those are not indicative of who the better teams are. I'd be careful about saying all this when you have to come to Arrowhead and play in a place that you've only won one time. I love it. Run your mouth. As long as the Chiefs don't say a word, shut them up on the field. That's all I care about. And I love it when the other team is in this position, and then we show up on Sunday Mahomes and embarrass them. famously likes to exploit these things, like counting to 10 and saying, st- like, he in particularly is regularly motivated by this notion. And then on top of it all week, he's going to have to hear about how he can't be regular Patrick Mahomes with the ankle. He's going to be at, like, level 10 of Mahomes' encouragement to play even better. And I can't wait for it. I mean, look what the Raiders did, and we haven't let them forget it. True. They've beaten them every single time since they took that victory lap. <laughs> we love sweet revenge. <laughs> By the way, I know people are always like, hey, you know, the Chiefs talk trash about the Raiders. I'm like, yeah, the little brother stuff. They're not even in the playoffs. They're allowed to talk trash about them. They beat them every year. Like the Bengals, you're right, Nick. It's a little bit of a small sample size. They own them. They get a certain degree of it. There's no doubt. feels like they're taking it to a slightly higher level. Okay, guys. Frank Clark had one sack versus Jacksonville. He's now tied for fourth all-time with Reggie White with 12 career playoff sacks. Let's discuss. Uh, Hall of Fame, right? Let's start there. 
Okay, so I looked at the rest of the list of top 10 NFL playoff sack guys ever. Uh, the other nine are Hall of Famers. So or or will be Hall of Famers, right? Or will be. Yeah, some are some are like they're not yet, but like I'm pretty sure Clay Matthews is going to get in or whatever, right? Um if he's not in already. The the rest of them are either Hall of Famers or will for sure be Hall of Famers. Can we go through the list really quick? Um because it's a it's a who's who of prolific pass rushers. Number 1 is Willie McGinnis with uh New England. Uh Bruce Smith Hall of Fame. Terrell Suggs will be in the Hall of Fame. Frank Clark is tied with Reggie White. Reggie White, obviously, in the Hall of Fame. Dwight Freeney will be. Charles Haley is. James Harrison will be. Clay Matthews on the border. Lamar Woodley on the border. Yeah, on the border. He'll get like he'll get the votes. I don't think he'll he'll get a vote. And then right below him, by the way, Von Miller, Hall of Famer, Richard Dent, who will be a Hall, you know, like whatever. Like, and by the way, guys. all of those guys, like Willie McGinnis played for almost like he played for 15 years, I think. Bruce Smith played for yeah. 18 years. Terrell Suggs played for 16 years. Frank Clark has done it in seven seasons, seven seasons as a pro, but I think he only had two or three to his name before he got to Kansas City. So this has basically all been within a four-year span since he joined the Chiefs. I think I I had kind of not counted out. I was just like, oh, Frank Clark's a rotational defensive end who can get some sacks, and that's nice. He's their third best pass rusher. Chris Jones is their best. Carl Loftus is their second best. And Frank Clark can get some pressure. Neat. That's just like I just kind of like settled into I'm good there. And then before the game, he told both Nate Taylor, who wrote about it in his piece at The Athletic. He told James Palmer of NFL Network, a storm's coming. Like, I'm coming. And you're like, okay, fine, man. I, I guess. And then he goes out and he has that performance. And you're like, good God, I, he was serious. Because he not meant- just a sack, he had the other one which... He wrecked an entire drive. Well, they didn't play great the whole game. It was a tackle for loss, but they didn't rule it a sack because I think at that point, Lawrence was running. Yeah. It was behind the line of scrimmage, and you easily could have considered that a sack as well. Yeah, on the the drive, he got the sack. He got a tripping penalty called against him because he was getting ready to destroy the quarterback. He also hit it. he, He made a tackle behind the line of scrimmage on a running back, and he got pressure on the on the the first play after the penalty and then got a sack. So he, he ruined a drive single-handedly and he played really well in the game outside of that. I was not planning on ever Nick. I don't think I was ever planning on playoff Frank being a thing again. Kayla, I thought, you know, all right, we had it for that one year. It was cool. Then we said, Oh, it's going to come back the second year. And it didn't. We're like, okay, we're done here. And then the third year you're like, okay, it's not, you know, they don't get sacks. He's not playoff Frank anymore. Apparently it still exists. So I apologize to Frank Clark. I didn't realize playoff Frank was still a thing, but it apparently very much is. What brings out playoff Frank? I do think, I'll tell you what. I do think there are a lot of guys in the NFL, and you can only do this when you have the luxury of being on a really good team. And Frank Clark has basically been on a postseason team every year of his career. Even in the three years he was in Seattle, that was a playoff team every year with Russell Wilson. I think when you do that long enough, you maybe come to just understand that you you get the luxury of playing in the postseason so you don't have to play hard for 17 weeks during the regular season now i'm sure coaches would tell him like hey like we kind of would love it if you bring the same intensity all year long but i think there is a level of heightened focus when you get to the postseason and there's a level of going through the regular season saying nah 
I don't need to do all this right now because I'm going to come through big when it matters the most. I think to add on to that, when you get to the postseason, you're playing a lot of times the best defenses, or excuse me, the best offenses, great schemers, great offensive lines. You're going to attribute a lot of your attention to the best player on the other defense, and that's always been Chris Jones, and I think he has benefited from playing next to Chris Jones, and he... Like, unlike some other guys, you can see this happen around the, the rest of the NFL. Oh, we are, we're going to account for this one guy, and you don't have another dude who can beat us. Frank Clark is good enough to beat you if you sort of leave him on an island. He's only 29 years old. I feel like because of the injury history and the fact that he hasn't been super productive during the regular season, we make Frank Clark out to be older than he is. He's really young for that position. Like, guys play well into their mid-30s at a relatively high level. And it's, I guess it's, when you see him do it, it's not surprising anymore. Beforehand, you'd say, oh, I would be surprised if we ever see that Frank Clark again. But then you just see him do it for one day or one game, and you go, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess it's not all that surprising after all. Frank Clark. That's a good the, point about him having more opportunities to get sacks in the postseason. Yeah, I, I mean, Chris Jones helps it. He just nicks right. He does. But Karloftis helps it too. Like in that same piece I was talking about with Nate Taylor, you know, in reading it, it's like, Frank Clark's job this year was stay healthy, make Karloftis better. And then playoff Frank can just, we'll just turn the switch on and it's cool. And apparently he's capable of doing that, right? He can just be like, okay, sounds good. Um, he knows that the playoffs are where you make your money. That's where you're going to do it. And I think Joe Cullen had done a really good job, the Chiefs defensive line coach, of convincing him he doesn't have to stat chase in the regular season anymore. Like, dude, it's fine. Get some pressure and let Chris Jones fall on the guy. And mm -hmm. then if we get into the playoffs and they decide they're not going to let Chris Jones fall on this guy anymore, your turn. Chris Jones will do all the pressure stuff, and then you get a fall on him instead. Like, it's been a really good dynamic. When you toss in a third guy who can get pressure, the leading sack guy for the Bengals this year had eight and a half sacks. George Karloftis finished with two-thirds of that, and he didn't come on until later in the season. The Chiefs might have three of the best four pass rushers in the game on Sunday. That makes a huge difference. Well, speaking of Chris Jones... Do we care less about his postseason sacks if Frank is the one going off? Uh, sure. You know, I, I think <laughs> I might. Well, like I care about the Chris Jones sacks, but I cared about him because I thought that was the only way they were going to get him for a long time. So like last year when you're like, Chris Jones, man, you got to take down Joe Burrow. You got to get a sack. Well, they were the third worst sack team in the NFL. Chris Jones had to get a sack because if Chris Jones did, no one was. If you're telling me someone else is, then I, I don't care. Chiefs get four sacks in a game and zero of them are Chris Jones. I don't care. Good for Chris Jones, because I know that he had played some part in it. I am even guilty of it. I think it was last year, um, a guy who works at our station, Jay Binkley, bless him, told me again about like, hey, you know, the Chiefs are actually sixth in pressures, though. And I'm like, I don't care. They're like third to last in sacks. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm glad that they get close enough to the quarterback to have a short conversation, but they never bring him down, and that feels problematic. But in Chris Jones' case, if other people are bringing him down, then I know he's doing his job, Kayla, you know? Like, I get less worried about the, oh, he's, like, because he did. He had an impact on that last game. I know he didn't have a, a sack, but he had an impact. That's why I care less about Chris Jones. It doesn't mean as much if somebody else is getting him. Yeah, because I don't, I refuse to believe after the season that Chris Jones just had. It, maybe it's easier to go down this road if he has a, a six or seven sack season and then doesn't get any sacks in the postseason as well. But if he goes through... A, a season like he just had with, what was it, 16 and a half sacks? 16 sacks? 15 and a half. 15 Should have been 16 and a half, and a half right. but he said, right. he said mean words to a quarterback. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. Um, and he had the roughing the passer penalty. So actually, yeah. two more. He is 
what a, a top three pass rusher in the NFL. I refuse to believe that, oh, he just can't do it in the postseason. No, no, no. He just did it for 17 weeks. So if he's not having like a productive postseason in terms of raw numbers, in terms of sacks, it's because of the attention that he's getting from opposing offenses and offensive coordinators. It's not because he's just not good anymore. It's not because he's gassed or he doesn't have anything left in the tank. It's simply because of the way that teams are scheming against him. And especially now when I see guys like Mike Dana or Frank Clark or George Karloftis, if any, if any of these guys start having production, I am to assume that it's a byproduct of all the attention yeah. that Jones is getting from opposing offenses. So his impact is still being felt. It's just not being felt from the raw sack production department. Well, guys, the Bengals are now officially betting favorites on Sunday. How do we feel about everyone betting against the Chiefs? Personally, I like it because it's going to make winning that much better. Well, and it's a, uh, we like them to be motivated and they're motivated by the idea that they are now Vegas underdogs. So Bengals will still claim they're the underdog, right? They're going to Arrowhead, all that. The the thing that scares me a little bit about it is, does Vegas know something about the ankle injury? I don't. Because oh. from just a betting perspective, it it is illogical, right? Normally, Vegas trends would tell you this is a three-point Chiefs are a favorite. And they went from a two-and-a-half-point favorite to a two-and-a-half-point underdog in like 48 hours. But from a Chiefs, or if you want to bet on the Chiefs, like if you listen to this podcast, you're like, I'm betting on the Chiefs. Wait, you might get, a, you might get another half point. You might get another point. Who cares? Take your chances because the Chiefs have just as good of a chance to beat Cincinnati as Cincinnati does the Chiefs. And the fact that now they can say we're the underdog is good. The Chiefs so rarely get that opportunity to actually claim we're an underdog. And at least because Vegas has said so, they can sit in a locker room and say that. Yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised at this point with the, with how quickly the line is moving. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing gets up to two or two and a half. I mean, we're, it's it's Wednesday. Like, there's a lot of time left between now and this game, and I don't I don't know if it has as much to do with Mahomes injury that might be worth a point or a point and a half as much as it does that the Bengals are the trendy team now, and that is how people bet. People bet emotionally. They saw the way the Bengals just dismantled the team that maybe they thought were the Super Bowl favorites. Right? You could have went into last weekend thinking that the Bills were the best team in the NFL, and Cincinnati pantsed them on their home field when they felt like a team of destiny. We are reactionary people and we are reactionary betters. A lot of people pay attention to what just happened and make decisions based off that. And then you look at the history between the two teams. Like it makes sense that everybody would be all over Cincinnati. I found myself at, at times over the last 48 hours saying, okay, how are the Chiefs going to beat this team? Look at what they just did to Buffalo. Look at what they've done to you. Look at what they did to you in the AFC championship game last year. But this is, this, like, th these are very evenly matched teams, and I refuse to think that Cincinnati could be, like, inching towards being three points better than Kansas City. Like, I, I know that it's really, like, we, I've heard a lot over the last day that, oh, well, they've got the better roster. They've got a much better roster. They may have better offensive talent. Bengals, like, Bengals don't have a good pass rush. The Bengals don't have a good offensive line. We have a tendency to fall in love with skill position players. Who's got good receivers? Who's got a good running back? Who's got the good Chiefs have the better offense and defensive line? The Chiefs are going to win in the trenches on both sides. They're going to win in the Ooh. trenches on both sides, and that wins in the postseason every single year. Go back to the Tampa Bay Super Bowl. 
Why did the Chiefs lose that game? Was it because Tom Brady was better than Patrick Mahomes? Was it because uh, the Buccaneers wide receivers and pass catchers were better than the Chiefs? No, it's because the Chiefs offensive line couldn't block to save their lives. I'm going to be really interested to see how that plays out on Sunday. When I look through and I like that portion of it, like where they are from a roster perspective, I absolutely think that that should be playing a factor in here about why they're doing that. But it's just when you, when you watch these two teams play, because Nick, it is easy to be like a one game sample size and be whatever they were lo- They were about to lose to the Ravens. I, I mean, like, can I, can I factor in the last two weeks? Is, <laughs> is, is that okay? Can I think about, you know, whether or not that's going to play a factor here? I think that when we're talking about it, why can't that be some some version of this conversation? I just think that when you're looking at these two teams, there are things that clearly favor Kansas City. It's like they we just want to pretend about that because they have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Like, I get it. Like, this is the problem that people mistake. Like, hey, you know, all three of those guys would be the number one wide receiver in Kansas City. And I'm like, you know what? You could probably make an argument between Boyd and Juju Smith-Schuster, but the other two, I wouldn't make an argument with you. But also, it's like if we were drafting offensive skill position players, Travis Kelsey might still go first. If you're if you're Cincinnati, you probably say the answer is Jamar Chase. If you're Kansas City, you probably say the answer is Travis Kelsey, who's been one of the most consistent weapons in NFL history, and he's been one of the best playoff performers of all time. Travis Kelsey over his last seven playoff games is averaging, this is his average, seven catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown. He's actually averaging a little better than a touchdown a game. It's eight touchdowns in seven games, but I'll round down for the sake of this argument. So it's like there are there are places where the Chiefs are a better team, and I think that that should factor in. Just out of curiosity, what was the line in Bengals-Bills? Uh, Bills by five and a half. Yeah. <clears throat> Bills by five, by five and a half. And by the way, to that point, the Chiefs were favored by five in this game last year? Five or six? Uh, seven. Started at seven. Seven? I think it started at seven and it closed at six. Yeah. 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 Started at a full touchdown. They were a touchdown favorite against Cincinnati last year. These rosters are not dramatically different. Hell, Cincinnati's roster is almost identical. Well, they tried to go out and revamp the offensive line and it didn't really work. No, it got hurt. Yeah. Kayla, I'm with you. I love, like, I want this line to continue to balloon up. I know. I don't think this. I don't think the Chiefs, like, like, I don't think this is bulletin board material. For the Chiefs, I don't think I don't think players pay it that much attention to betting lines. I think they pay more attention to like the public conversation. What are people saying online? What are people saying on TV? Things like that. So I don't think this is necessarily motivation for the team. But I guess for my own psyche, I love knowing that everybody in America is betting against you. The Chiefs aren't going to trash talk. We will. <laughs> yeah. Quick question though, guys does does this mean that the Bengals can't play the underdog card anymore? Like they uh, love doing. Uh, they'll still do the I, look. Just real quick, the Patriots, after winning five Super Bowls, once sat in a postseason and said they don't believe it. They had shirts made. They don't believe in us. And you're like, I'm sorry. What? You have five Super Bowl rings. <laughs> you're the single greatest quarterback of all time. You don't get to play the underdog. So I think Cincinnati will try. I just don't think it should hold any weight. Kind of like what I was just saying. I don't think players pay attention to that. So the the Bengals playing the underdog card doesn't have to do with the Vegas line. The Bengals playing the underdog card is everybody talks about the Chiefs. Everybody talks about Mahomes, this and that. So I don't really think they care all that much. 
their underdog card is all based off of the fact that nobody has ever, they don't think anybody's ever given them the proper respect that they deserve. Again, like do whatever you want because now that the Bengals are the shiny new object in the AFC, I think the Chiefs pay attention to that because wait until Thursday and Friday when all the talking heads start doing their predictions for this weekend's games. And I promise you this is going to happen. I promise you everybody's going to pick the Bengals. Like America is going to pick the Bengals. And when that happens, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, all those guys will be paying attention to that. I love it. We could not be in a better position, in my opinion. Take the plus money. Thank me later. All right, you guys. We were delivered some not great news <laughs> this week. Uh, and that is, we spoke too soon on Carl Sheffers. We now know he will be refereeing the Super Bowl. Does the NFL hate the Chiefs? Yes or no? <laughs> uh, I hate the NFL. Does that count? <laughs> Did anyone watch uh, uh, any of the games that Carl Sheffers was the lead official? He's your best. Guy. Yeah. He's the best one you have. He's your king. They're just they're, That can't be right. No way. No way he's the best one. That doesn't even make sense. There have to be somebody better. And I get it. There's going to be some people. We've talked about like youth officiating in this. I'm not trying to pretend like it's not a hard job. He's bad at his job. But worse than that, he has clearly what seems like at this point a vendetta against the team he might be refereeing against. The Chiefs have made him cry at a stadium. Travis Kelsey made fun of him. There's just like so much juice into that. It's been talked about a thousand times. Carl Sheffers at this point must know that. I have never once on this show ever been like, I don't know about Ron Torbert or if that's even how it, whatever the, it doesn't matter. I've never even said anything about it. Everybody <laughs> knows that we've said things about Sheffers. Every fan has everybody on social media, people in his circle must say, boy, that fan base really hates you. Look, I don't think they're clinking glasses. Like what was, uh, who was it? Was that Joey Bosa complaining about that after the chargers game? But I do think that that is a bad fit, and I don't like it. I'm actively mad against the NFL. So, for doing. so Cody gave me a hard time on Tuesday, Kayla, because I said I think Chiefs fans should take a different approach to Carl Sheffers this time around. Hmm. I think I think Chiefs fans should band together and kill Carl Sheffers with kindness. I was just going to say that. Kill you know? with kindness. You know, I don't know. In fairness, it sounded like Kayla was agreeing with you before you said the with kindness part. So that's no, no. <laughs> Kayla's not a violent person. We know that. We know that. Listen, pick him up from the airport in, in in Phoenix, and you know, make some signs at the game. If you see him at a restaurant, maybe pick up the tab, something like that. And then maybe he'll pay it forward and think, you know what? This this is a classy bunch. These KC folks. I love the Midwestern hospitality. Let's put let's put the past behind us. Bygones be bygones, and. You know, maybe it'll cause him to, to swallow his whistle a little bit more than he normally would. Because that's the thing. It's not that it's not that in those games, everything you talked about, Cody, it's not that he is it's not that he's not calling things against other teams. It's that he's calling a lot of phantom stuff against the Chiefs. And that's what we want to do away with. Just I don't I don't need you to call more penalties on the other teams. I just want you to call less bullshit well, he, on our team. Yeah, and he calls more penalties than any crew in the NFL. I all just from like a let's say it ends up being Cincinnati and the Eagles. I don't want to watch a Super Bowl with 47 penalties. I'd like to watch something that is at least enjoyable to witness. Not holding, holding, pass interference, holding, false start, illegal person. Like, no, I don't want any of that. I just want to watch two teams play football. <laughs> like, why, why would you want that for your product? It's like choosing a basketball officiating crew that you know is going to call 57 
penalty. Like everything else is a charge. I'm not interested in that brand of basketball for the national championship. Like I, I want to watch good football, but I just, it's always against the chiefs. There's a lot of history there. So it just feels like a bummer that we might have to watch it again. Although that does mean they're in the Super Bowl, So, yeah, you know, true. And why do I feel like even if we did do something nice, like pick up his tab, he'd pull a flag out of his back pocket and flag us for tampering. Yeah. He'd had a couple, you'd like to be like, Hey man, I'm going to take care of this. It'd be cool. I'll take a double Jack. You're like, what the hell, man? I just said, I take care of the regular tab. You didn't have to order a double Jack. That's what someone like, if someone says they're taking care of the tab and you're like, can I see the reserve wine list? You're like, okay, not cool. I I said, I pay. I didn't say go nuts with it. That's what it feels like he'd do. Just for peace of mind. He's not on any games this weekend, right? No, he can't do back-to-back playoff rounds. So he did last week's Bills Bengals game. So the next one he'll do is the Super Bowl. Honestly, I'd rather have him do Super Bowl than championship weekend. Yeah, maybe. Because at least you're in the Super Bowl at that point. Yeah. Okay, guys. Last but not least are vibe checks. Who's going first? Uh, I can go first this week. It doesn't matter. Um, my my vibe is uh, this is very dated, and neither of you will probably remember these references, other than if your parents had made them. Not that I watched the show, but mine is Highlander. Because the difference between Mahomes and Burrow now, for one guy going for three Super Bowls in four years appearances, and one guy going for back to back. Highlander's big thing is there can only be one. There's only one person who's allowed to be in charge of this, and we're deciding it now. And that's how I feel about the AFC. I'm not going to talk about, because I don't even think if Mahomes loses this game, I'm going to talk myself into the Joe Burrow's a better quarterback than Mahomes versus he's just on a better team or he got past him twice in the playoffs like can happen with any quarterback. Eli Manning over Tom Brady, Joe Flacco over Tom Brady. Guys that we would never say are better than that effective quarterback. But there can only be one AFC team who's going to say, you got to come through us. And this game is going to decide that. The Chiefs have held that round for a long time. I don't think one loss to Cincinnati changes that last year. But I do think that if Cincinnati beats them again, the AFC road runs through Cincinnati. And so I think for, for mine, it's it's there, there can only be one. Do you want to go next? I like it. I don't understand the reference. You're right, but well That's done. fine. It's a very old show. You act like you're you 20 can... years older than Nick and myself here. No, We're no, not... but it's like I knew it was a dated TV reference, but I still felt the need to make it. Okay. Yes, I, I'll go. My vibe check, guys, is we can do hard things. <laughs> not only can we do hard things, oftentimes we make them look easy or seamless. This, as we know, will undoubtedly be the Chiefs' toughest test all season with everything on the line. How can we not be jazzed out of our minds for this game? And to add some dramatics, we have a quarterback who most likely won't be playing at 100%. But let's not forget, this isn't a normal quarterback. It's an MVP quarterback who is as fiery and competitive as heck because I don't cuss. Um, And if this team has showed us anything, it's that we show up in hard games and can do hard things like two, three jet chip wasp on third and 15 down 10 with seven 13 left on the clock in the Super Bowl, or going on to score 21 points in the fourth quarter to grim reaper and 13 seconds. The list goes on. You get the point. Um, Just do something special chiefs. You've done it before. I'm confident you'll do it again because we can do hard things. The end. Okay, so I think mine is sort of it's 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 an idea, but it's sort of encapsulated by I tried not to go movie because I always go movies and Cody definitely always goes movies. But come uh, on, I went I went book one time. 
But okay, I went. <laughs> home, you know, it sounds like somebody who's never read a book. I went book one time. Um, <laughs> uh, it's really just a genre of movies, right? It is Kill Bill. It is John Wick. It is a Django Unchained. It is every great revenge movie. But actually, you know what? I'll go with my favorite moment. It's a, it's a gif that is sort of lived in infamy on uh, Chief's social media. It's it's actually a, a mashup. It's the the gif of Ryan Howard from The Office with Patrick Mahomes' face. And it's after Ryan Howard goes up to corporate, gets fired, gets arrested, gets out, comes back as a temp. And Kevin makes fun of him on the first episode back. And he says, I'm keeping a list of everyone who wrongs me. So when I'm back on top, they'll be sorry. And Kevin just made the list. This is Patrick Mahomes' moment to do just that. And I don't think it really has much to do with the ankle injury as much as it does the bigger storyline of being back in the AFC Championship game against the team that ended your season a year ago. And that was the first time in his career where we said, this guy's mortal. He bleeds just like the rest of us. He can lose just like everybody else. He is not a guarantee to get to the Super Bowl every single year because as ridiculous as that sounds, that is the belief that we had. And now you go into an AFC championship game where you're not expected to win, at least according to Vegas, right? Bengals are a one and a half point favorite. It may be a three point favorite by the time this game begins. I don't know if everybody's necessarily counting him out, but I guarantee you that's the mindset that he is going to take into this game. And he is going to go into that game on Sunday with this idea that he has to prove a lot of people wrong and that he has to right the wrongs that he made a season ago because you know he carried that loss really tough, probably more than he did the Super Bowl loss, knowing that that one was on me. This other team dared me to do something. I did it. I played right into their hand, and I gave them the game. This is your opportunity to come right back and say, no, all those things you used to say about me, they're still true. Last year was an anomaly, not a sign of things to come. So well, like I, great Therese Paler calling him Baba Yaga for the John Wick references is very good. The boogeyman. Yeah. He can become the boogeyman. He can reassert himself as that by going out there and taking care of business against a team that I feel like you're probably saying internally, we should beat them. We're better than them. We've had them dead to rights three straight times and didn't close it. We're going to do it this time. Fire me up. Go fight win. <laughs> I thought for sure somebody was going to go karate kid, so I didn't. And just like Miyagi with the ankle and just, <laughs> you know, one way or the other. All right. Good stuff, guys. That's going to do it for us here on this Wednesday. This is always game day in Kansas City. He is Cody Tapp. That is Nick Schwartz. I am Kayla Canaram. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And we will be back with you all on Friday for game predictions and so much more. Have a good one. 